This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, good morning. I'm going to talk today again about faith, and we're on the journey of faith. Last uh, couple weeks, we've talked about um, moving away from doubt. Every one of us recognize or should have some understanding that we're going to have doubt in our life, doubt of who God is, doubt of what God can do. Um, our world is teaching us and has a culture of, of putting God aside, and so the world wants to be first place, or maybe human reasoning, or whatever else that is in the, in the pathway of our life becomes more of a place of worship than our God. And then we talked last week about acknowledgement. And I just want to share with you that, you know, this is a journey again. We're in the path, and in, in this pathway, it's called the journey of faith. And I failed um, one of the spaces uh, last weekend, even right after preaching this message. And, and I'm going to share with you real briefly, because I believe that all of us should be in this journey, growing in our faith. In fact, Romans chapter 4, we're going to reference Abraham in just a few more minutes. Romans chapter 4 says that, that Abraham was in this journey of faith and grew stronger in his faith. Grew stronger in his faith. And then it even says nothing wavering. We'll get to that in just a moment. But last week, um, right after I preached about acknowledging God, and I believe so much in, in the space, and, and my wife and I are really working diligently to do this more in our own life, um, my, uh, my son and daughter, they actually had to buy some appliances. And, you know, and um, what I love about it is that they're bringing it to God and say, you know, God, show us where to shop. And, you know, and they actually showed them where to shop outside, basically even outside our, our, our city. And they're telling us about it. And God had blessed them so much with some purchases to the point of saving like, you know, even 30 to 40% on top of sale prices. And they're telling us about it. And, and you know, and, and I'm going, wow, that's really great. That's really awesome. And, you know, and then it just went on. And it wasn't until the end of the evening that the Lord brought conviction. He says, you just did what you talked to the church, the body of Christ about. You don't make a big deal of those moments. Let me, just, let me just break it down for you. If my son and, you know, and daughter would have come to me and said, hey, dad, we're really struggling in our marriage or we're really struggling with, um, you know, I just lost a job and, and I, don't even know, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills this day, dad. I don't know how I'm gonna get through it. We would have sat down, probably had dinner together. We would have prayed. We would have had just blown up that moment of, you know, some counseling. We would have turned to the word of God. But I'm going to tell you, there would have been some conditioning of our heart how to get God involved in the crisis. And yet, because all of a sudden we had something to celebrate, we blew right over it. And this is what I'm trying to share with you. This is why our hearts aren't in the space of acknowledgement today. Because anything that's praiseworthy, we blow right over it. We don't even make a big deal out of it. In fact, we're, this, our culture today is basically training us not to talk too much about God. 
not to make a big deal about God. And yet the Bible's so clear that that's exactly what we're supposed to do. In fact, we can't even get to that space of the 10 commandments and God right away in the very beginning, you should have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not worship any other graven idol. And yet many times we worship our problems and what worship is, is what we give attention to. You say, well, pastor, I'm not worshiping my problems. It's what you give your attention to is this place of worship. That's really what worship is, is what you posture. In fact, worship means, in fact, it gives it like a dog bending its knee and lapping its bowl, which means what is really grabbing your day? Is it all the things that God is good in or is all the crisis that your life is going through today? You say, well, pastor, I don't wanna be a denialist. I'm not talking about being a denialist. Last week we learned if we acknowledge God in all our ways, he'll direct our paths, which means if we don't acknowledge him, we're not gonna get any direction. Amen? And someone's going, I don't know what God wants. I don't know what God wants. God goes, I want you to acknowledge me and I'll show you what I want. So the first step is always in the acknowledgement. So I'm sharing with you that when my kids or you or come to me and hopefully in the space of the future and you tell me God's doing something, I pray that I can bend my knee or bend that moment and just make it, let's praise God right now here in this moment. So that when we get here on Sunday mornings, Jenna's not going, Pastor Jenna's not going over there, come on, come on, you're going, you're going to her, come on, come on. You got so much inside of you that you can't wait to explode in because all week long has been a week of praising our God. Amen? Turn with me to James chapter one. And we're gonna get real right now, talking about the face-off. In fact, I, I talk about this, the journey of faith is that first of all, we talked about doubt, walking away or moving away from doubt. That's our journey. Second, when we talked about acknowledgement, well, today we're gonna talk about the face-off, which means the face-off is this. There's a battle between in the vacillating, going back and forth, This is God's promise. Here's really what's going on in my life today. Here's God's way, and here's the thing that, here's what my human brain or human reasoning is saying to go. Here's what my experience is. Here's what God's walk and truth is. And here's the, it's the face-off. In fact, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna reference Abraham. Again, how do you reference faith without talking about Abraham? And and we're gonna go through some Genesis. I'm just gonna go real quickly and brief some chapters about the the path of uh, what we find in Abraham's life. God wrote it, inspired it, so that you would be empowered and understand that there's a path, that there's a journey in your faith. But before we get there, we're gonna talk about the reality of life. James chapter one says this, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. So you didn't become a Christian, or at least I hope you didn't become a Christian, thinking all of a sudden everything from here on in is just gonna be rosy and smooth sailing. If that's your life, then you must have been a Christian for about 10 minutes, (laughs) okay? Because Christianity is in the space that Christ tells us, blessed is he who overcomes, which means he's telling us right away that there's gonna be things that we have to overcome and those things we have to overcome are these trials in our life. Whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result, do a thorough work so that you may be perfect complete, developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, 
to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he or she to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame and will be given to him. But he must ask for wisdom and faith without doubting. God's willingness to help for the one who doubts means stays in, we're all gonna have doubt, but we have the one who stays in doubt is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Being double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask that you just give us instruction in the path of righteousness today. Help us to understand faith. All of us are in different places of our life. All of us have an area of our life that we need to apply faith, whether it be marital, whether it be Lord Church, whether it be our gift makeup, whether it be parental, whether it be financial, health, whatever it is. Lord, there's so many areas that our faith needs to be exercised. Just like our body is full of muscles, and, and Lord, that all those muscles need to be exercised. God, I pray that faith gets exercised in all of our life. Teach us the path of it, God, today. Thank you, Father, for this message already before him, knowing what you're going to do is a new work in our heart. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. I wanna share something with you that uh, the Lord kind of really um, hit me with this morning. And it's uh, found in Romans 4, and we're not gonna turn there, but it says that, you know, Paul recollecting Abraham's journey. And it says that Paul, Paul's uh, picture of Abraham says he didn't waver in faith. And so you're gonna, you're gonna go, well, man, that doesn't seem like Genesis' journey. If I read it, and we're gonna read just real excerpts of it, it doesn't seem, now, here's why I'm gonna say that. See, when God looks at you, thank God he's not looking at all the craziness that's up inside of your head. Because you're all crazy, what's going on in your thoughts, right? All these thoughts. What God's looking at is the condition of your heart. And I was even sharing this with the elders that, you know, um, uh, about a year ago, the Lord was really pricking my heart. He goes, why do you think I brought John the Baptist in front of perfection? I mean, Jesus was perfect. He was a perfect order, a perfect communicator. He was the breath of God that came on, on, on land and walked the face of earth, yet God thought it necessary to have someone prepare the way. I believe that the God is always doing that with us in our hearts. That trials that come inside of our life are we have a decision to make. Will we follow, will we trust God, or will we follow the human, the culture, or our experiences, whatever. We have this space, and we can vacillate back and forth, but what's really gonna make the decision, will you follow what's here, or will you follow what's here? God doesn't make the promises in your heads. God makes the promises in your heart and the condition of heart. So your place is so important that you will let through prayer, through worship, through reading, through devotion, through difficulties, you're saying, God, I want my heart to be conditioned to your pathway. And your brain is gonna go all over because it's gonna say, well, that doesn't make sense. Your brain is gonna go, well, that's not my experience. That's not what happened to so-and-so. And that's not, you know, maybe that's just, you know, maybe that was the way God moved then, but God's not moving that way today. And that's what your brain is gonna do because your brain is conditioned to work on the level of this world. And you have to renew it to the truth 
that's not of this world. That's your job to renew your brain. It's not God's job. God's job, God says it very clearly. He says, I will write my ways in your heart. He did not say he'd write his ways on your thoughts. He did not say he'd write his way, your ways on, his, on your brain. He said he'd write his ways on your heart. And you are to renew. So the, the face-off is what are you following? What's here or who's here? That's the face-off. That's the struggle. Is the promise inside of you bigger than the problem outside of you? Are you conditioned to hear what he is saying and what faith is? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not yet seen. Your brain is going, if I don't see it, I don't believe it. And yet your heart's going and says, look, I don't walk by, I don't walk by sight, but I walk by faith. You see the face off? Your heart's saying, look, I don't care if I don't see it, I believe it. Your brain's going, until I see it, I, you know what, I ain't going to believe it. And you have to face off this vacillating that's going on inside of you. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That's faith. Let me read uh, real quickly, and, and I know this is not in your notes, so just please just, um, just listen, okay? Genesis chapter 12, real quickly, leaves doubt. Abraham is in his journey. He's 75 years old. He leaves Haran. He leaves his inheritance. He leaves what's comfortable to him. He's walking away from his comfort zone. He's walking away from what his brain is saying, this is, this is already prepared. This, if I stay right here, everything is in place. I'm walking away from whatever, what's comfortable here. I'm walking away from what's already, the, the, the world says is where I should stay. But God's saying, walk in a space that I don't know. I'm going to walk toward the unknown and I'm going to trust God. He leaves. God, that's what, so his first step is to walk, walk in faith walk toward the unknown. He hears the promise we find in chapter 12 that God will make him a great nation and blesses him. He builds an altar and worships God. He doesn't wait for Sunday morning to serve and worship God. He builds an altar. How many of you are building altars? I just shared with you how I messed up. I should have built an altar with my daughter and my son-in-law Sunday afternoon. And just said, God, you're so good. You're, you know, helping my kids find appliances. You're so good and, and, and leading them. You're such a great God. Thank you for being the God, not just, you know, in my life, but being the father I know you to be in their life. He builds altars. I didn't do that. How many of us are having altar moments or are we just waiting for a Sunday service next week? We should have altar moments all the time. Whether you're in selling cars or whatever you do, we should be having altar moments or we're going over there, you know, in the, what is it that you're in the emergency and you got a separate room, Braden, over there. What, we should be having these altar moments all the time. Chapter 13 says Abraham and his nephew Lot split. So here's Abraham. He's, you know, I'm being a good dad. I'm being a good stepdad. I'm being a, a good stepfather. I'm, I'm being that guy. And he takes Lot with him because his, 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 uh, his brother has, has died. And he says, well, I'm just going to take on Lot. He takes him with him, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a, uh, an area of conflict between Lot's servants and Abraham's servants, and the conf conflict grew so much that he says, Lot, you got to choose your way. And you know that part of Abraham at that moment is broken. Part of his dreams, part of his new dream, even his new journey. And how many times when God tells us to go to a new place, how many times we all of a sudden we latch on to even how we think God's going to answer this prayer? And God breaks that thought 
right away. He goes, well, maybe you thought that Lot was going to be your son. Maybe you thought he was going to be the inheritance, but I'm, you know what? That's not true. That's not how I, that's not my plan. It might've been your plan. Chapter 14, Lot is captured and Abraham rescues and meets the priest of all, Melchizedek. And what do they have? Another altar moment. This is what you're going to see over and over with Abraham, that the, what made Abraham a man of faith wasn't that he didn't struggle in life, is but he was always in those struggles going to the altar of God. Why do you think this, this church is always having a space of altar? Chapter 15, God gives vision to prepare further Abraham's heart and Abraham. And here's what verse 5 says this, Genesis 15, 5, Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Yet none of his, none of his current conditions, none of, the, none of the things that God had promised were literally happening in that hour. But he just looked and said, God, because you said it, I believe it. And he conditioned his heart. Chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah have been on a journey for faith for 11 years to hold on to this promise that through Sarah, they would have a child. And Sarah, after 11 years, just goes, I just, you know what, I've been, I'm waking up every morning and I'm seeing my husband and, and I hear him say that this is the promise. She's starting to feel the weight of it. Maybe it's, you know, my, my womb is barren and it's, maybe it's my fault. So she starts, she doesn't turn to here. She turns to here. And she comes up with an idea. And her idea is, hey, you know, my servant Hagar is over here. Why don't you have a surrogate child through her? And of course that child is Ishmael. And Abraham loves that child, and Sarah's all frustrated with the situation because it was humanly made, not God. In chapter 16, again, we have this Abraham and Sarah. In chapter 17, God speaks to Abraham, and he's 99 years old. I know that we've only read a few chapters here, but we've gone through 25 years of life in this journey from doubt to acknowledgement, alter moments, to struggling with vacillating. Here's my, what my wife is saying. Here's what I'm saying. In chapter 17, God speaks to Abraham. He's 99 years old and is holding on to a promise and God is ready to fulfill. And yet chapter, Genesis 17, 7, then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. You probably don't even know that verse is there. Genesis 17, 17, he laughed at himself. How could I become a father at the age of 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live underneath your special blessing. But God replied, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting life. So you say, Pastor Ron, what are you trying to say? Well, I'm here to try to say there, just through five, six chapters of life here, 25 years have gone on. And there's a, there's a face-off, and Abraham loves God, and Abraham is serving God, and he's obeying God, and yet at the same time, his conditions and his circumstances are weighing on his thought life. His wife and those conditions are weighing on his thought life. And many times, all of a sudden, his thoughts want to take him down a path that's not of righteousness, just like our lives. 
and he has to get to that space and he, all of a sudden he has these altar moments and all of a sudden at this altar moment, his heart gets conditioned, is prepared. Oh, that's right, the promise of God. It gets lit up on the inside. Number one in your study guides, do not be conformed to the customs of this world of reasoning. But there's one thing that um, I'm, I'm obviously been in the ministry for like 30 years and there's, it's, reasoning's always been there. In fact, I'm going through in a parenting class with my wife right now and, and Chip Ingram says this, he goes, raising parent, ra- parents raising kids today is much more difficult than it was in our day. True story. True story. But how many realize that God's up to the task? That doesn't mean you should not stop having children. God said, go populate the earth with righteous seeds. Amen? So what that means is this, is that God's grace is sufficient, which means God has a plan, he has a design, and I believe that the church needs to be more involved with conditioning and helping and preparing families, and that we're not just going over there and just go figure it out. We're here to help and assist, and that God is speaking to his kids who are raising kids but it will not help by following the customs of the world. If you follow the customs of the world, your child would be a child of this world. Or you can follow the truth of God's word and your child will be an heir to all God has in mind. And God will do more things through your child than you can ever imagine. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with us superficial values and customs but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. The world shapes decisions through popularity. The world shapes decisions by fear. Have you ever realized that God isn't looking for a popularity contest? Did Jesus get to the cross because it was popular? He went to the cross because he wasn't popular. Number two, the face-off of faith is the physical and spiritual. We're going to go through some scriptures here, and I know that we're going through them kind of rapidly, so please write them down. Turn to these. I challenge you. Don't believe it because I preach it. Don't believe it because it's a sunny morning. Don't believe it because it's inspirational. Go and check out the word daily to see if it's truth. Amen? Challenge you to do that. I'm not, believe me, I am in no way intimidated if you get in the word of God and are searching out and say, I don't know if Pastor Ron is right. Please check it out. Get in the word of God. Find the truth that sets you free. The face off of faith is a physical and spiritual. Here we go. Luke chapter 4 verse 38 and 39. Here is a fever or a promise. We'll read it together right here. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law in law, very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, Jesus, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Now, how many realize that that's not humanly possible? That's only possible when God's hand and the breath of God is leading a person. How many realize that God says that you can do the same thing? 
that you're a child of God. You're an heir to his promises. You say, well, Pastor Ron, of course that happened. That was Jesus. And yet Jesus said, look, greater things are you going to do now that I go to the Father. That is a promise. Jesus did this because the power of God, the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit was in his life. I guess I'm asking you, are you filled with the reasoning of the fever? Or are you filled with the anointing of the promise? And now I'm, I'm here telling you something. We've got to get this stuff inside of our life because we'll sit there and look at a fever. We'll look at a symptom. We'll look at the situation. And all of a sudden it conditions us not to even pray. Acts chapter 3 says it this way. The spirit of liberty versus captivity of the world. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried. Each day he was put beside the temple and one called the beautiful gate so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. I love this. Because here's two men, two young men in their 20s. And here's two young men who have followed Jesus. Jesus isn't present. And they say, look at us. Why? Look at us. And here's what it says. The layman looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now, there's not one person in this room that can't repeat those words. Get up and walk. But the thing is, is it cannot come from here. It has to come from here. And so the time is and when, the, when you meet the lame man, it's too late when you've met the lame man and all you are is full here. You need to be full here so when the lame scenario gets in, you're so full that it explodes from the inside. Let me tell you, God is looking to and fro to show himself mighty in you. He's intersecting your life. He has divine appointments already made in the place, but your heart sometimes is so prepared for the problem instead of prepared for the promise. And when you're listening to what's going on in the culture, you say, well, am I? Well, let me ask you something. If I were to have this conversation with you and just come over there and we started talking and dialogue and you didn't know I was a pastor, what would the conversational piece be? What will we talk about? Will we talk about the weather? Will we talk about the, you know, will we talk about the president? Will we talk about the school system? Will we talk about the medical um, scenario? Will we talk about what's going on in China and they can't get the ships in? What will we talk about? Because what we talk about, the Bible says that abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm not hearing anything that God is saying from your jaw, then evidently not a lot going on in your heart about what God's doing. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means that your muscle isn't exercised. And we all realize that when we don't, we can look at the weight of what's going on. We can look at the lame man and all of a sudden our heart goes, that's just too heavy, I can't lift it. Or we can look at this as the God that's in me, greater is in me that can lift that than the junk that's in this world. We need to get our hearts prepared. I believe that we're living on the brink of such a revival that God wants. And I don't know if this church is going to grab hold of it. I don't know if you're going to grab hold of it. But God said that he will, in this latter day, pour out a latter rain. And I believe that that latter rain, because never has there been such gross darkness on the face of the earth. But God always meets darkness with 
He always meets darkness with light. So why are we talking about the darkness? We should be getting so full of light. And I myself am so convicted because I had a moment to grab that light Sunday afternoon. God, help me have another moment like that that I won't miss. Help me not miss that moment again. Number three, faith comes by hearing God's word. Posture that states what God says and not what the world says. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. How many of you hear and hear and hear what's going on in the world? I mean, you can't turn your, you can't even wake up to your phone and not see all kinds of things that are going on in the world. I mean, it seems like there is even new things. I mean, I'm getting text messages that are just sick. And I'm going, I didn't prescribe. I didn't open up anything. What is, what is this stuff? Invitations from stuff. I'm like, this not of God. And you know what the thing is, is that, you know what, what's alive inside of my heart? And how many times am I going to acknowledge? Because I can sit there and get so mad at everything that's going on, or I can get so glad for what he is inside of my heart. Recently, I went to canoeing down the white and uh, just seeing all these great fish and just seeing God's creation. And it's just a beautiful moment. But you know, all of that was great. But what hit me at the end of it was what God has done in my life. You ever have those moments where you get in the mirror and you have a reflection? You're having almost, it's like an, almost like an out-of-body experience. And you're, you're in that space and go, because we looked ridiculous on this river. We were getting hung up on almost every stone and every tree and everything else. We were, I mean, you look like, man, we were first timers navigating to nowhere. And we've been, I've been on the water all my life. But it didn't matter. And I was so thankful because James chapter one, thanks be to God for when he goes in these trials because of what it produces. And all I could think of is my wonderful bride that was in front of me. And I was having so much fun. And see, there were times in the past, if I had gone down that river like that, I'd have been embarrassed. I know none of you guys get embarrassed, right? And see, out of embarrassment, I'd have said something hurtful or mean or frustrating. But none of that came out of, in fact, it wasn't like I was trying to condition my heart to don't do it, Ron, don't say anything. Boop, there it goes. Don't do it, don't do it the second time. Boop, there it goes. It had nothing to do with that because Christ that liveth in me has changed my life. He's produced who he is. That's why I love being a Christian. It isn't about some behavioral modification. It's about Christ that lives in. So I pray that when I get in front of the lame man, that I don't have a behavioral scenario and go, oh, I pray, look at me because that Christ that liveth in me. And I don't know if I'm there in that space, but that's the mark that God wants my life to be at. Not trying to avoid the lame man so I won't have to have the embarrassing moment. Not avoiding the white river so that I won't be, you know, embarrassed by how I navigate through the river. Thanking God for the trial that he might be produced in and through my life. Matthew 13, verse 12. For whoever has spiritual wisdom because he is receptive to God's word, to him more will be given. And he will be richly and abundantly supplied. 
But whoever does not have spiritual wisdom because he has devalued God's word, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is the reason I speak to the crowds in parables because while I having the power of seeing that they do not see and while having the power of hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand and grasp spiritual things. Number four, power in the announcement of God promise. We spent a lot of time on this last week talking about the power of acknowledgement. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But Psalms 34, 3 says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. We're almost finished. Number five. People used to say that the promise was barren for the word of the Lord will never fail. Today, I'm, I see so many people's lives that are conditioned to fear, despair, people conditioned to the trial, um, talking about uh, th- um, you know, things that t- just never had talked about, but it's all about the world and, and, and the struggle that's real. And I'm not here to, I'm not a denialist. I believe that we face have the face off with those thoughts with the truth. And the truth will set us free. Thank you. The truth will set us free. In Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 38, I remember um, a young lady a while ago that was struggling with pregnancy. And God gave me this word. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. I'm so thankful that people used to say this is who I used to be. But that's not who they're saying he is today. People used to say who Brenda used to be, but that's not who they're saying or Mike, Braden. But now we are filled with his spirit. She was conceived a son and is now in a sixth month for the word of God will never, say it with me, will never. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me and come true. And then the angel left her. The journey from doubt to faith is this. We have to walk away from what's comfortable. We have to walk away from the reasoning. We have to walk away from the circumstances. We have to walk away from the struggle. We have to walk away from our opinions. We got to move into acknowledgement. God, I, I, I surrender my opinion to who you are. I surrender my fear. I surrender my shame to who you are. I surrender my uneducated picture, my lack of knowing the word of God to who you are. You are the word and God, I want to walk with you today in this hour. It doesn't matter what I know or what I didn't know. It matters who you are and I know you. You are in this space with my life and I acknowledge it. I struggle with this face off God, but I know that greater are you that's in me than he that is of this world. And I face it, God, and I walk so that I get to that point, God, where I don't vacillate at all. To you only, God, I give my life. God's worthy of this journey. I don't know where you're at in, in your specific space. Maybe it's relational. 
You're not putting God first. I can tell you over and over, just because you got married, you walked down that aisle with a vow. It doesn't mean that God's first. That may have been a good step, but making him first has been a journey 35 years in my life. And I'm still learning how to surrender and let him be first in my life. Physical struggles in my body, disappointments. We went recently to the parade of homes and uh, my wife had asked, said, look, I want your attention so that, when, you know, that we can go do this together. And we went with our kids. And so anyway, I, 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 went, what was, I went by what was normal. And normal is when Brenda's around the kids and I'm around the kids, it's just, it's kid time. And I got distracted. We're on our way home and she says, two. I'm like, what, two? She says, two, you're a two tonight. And I went, what? She goes, you were so distracted and I had asked for your attention so that we could walk through this together. And, and uh, it's a two, in fact, that's gracious to give you a two. So I just like, well, I'm sorry. I was walking to what was familiar and not in a journey of faith in our marriage. I should have been at least a three. So the next day we're in a wedding and there's all these distractions and my wife is, you know, she's just a people person and she's all over the map and we're not having any contact with each other. I, we're on our way home, I go, two. <laughs> she goes, what? I go, you were a two tonight. We were on our way there and I knew this would happen. And she laughed and I laughed. You know, the coolest thing part of that is this, that even in the two, we are a 10 together. Because we realize that it wasn't personal. There have been times where that, have been, that would have ended up in a fight or that would have ended up in a disappointment or a discouragement. But because we're centered on Jesus, we're aiming at three. Amen. God is the journey. He is the journey. And I don't care where you're at. I don't care who you are. Your life, your muscles of faith need to be exercised. And if you're not bending, then all you are is full of yourself. You bend and you watch what God can do. Abraham, 24 years of bending. In the 25th year, the man of promise, Father, I thank you for the journey, even the trials. Thank you for those trials because we can look in the mirror and see who you are. It's you. In you we live. In you we move. In you we have life and being. Teach us the path of this righteousness, God. And so many times, Father, our brain and our condition of our ways, Father, what's familiar, what's generationally correct, God, what we've known to be true or we thought to be true in our opinions have left us, God, wanting. And God, you wanna fill us with your spirit. I pray the breath of your Holy Spirit in this room right now. And that God, that we would be a people that are fresh. Doesn't matter how old we are, we could be 80 some years old in this room, but we are fresh in the presence of God. Make these wineskins, Father God. Lord God, I pray that they would be just 
filled with new wine. That we would understand that God, the anointing of God, that we would be dripping with the presence and the plan and the design of who you are. That people would know you through our actions. That people would know you through our words. That Father, we would have those out of body experiences go, I know that you're not, I'm not capable of that, but God, you are. I am able because you are able. I am capable, God, because you are capable. Strong are you, God, in the face of my surrender. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you find the presence of God right now in that place of conviction and you find yourself in this place of unknowing and yet searching, weighted down, knowing there's got to be more to life than this. I'm here to tell you there's so much more. Christianity is following Jesus not just from this day, but from every day forward. Experiencing heaven, a heavenly relationship right here on earth. And it all comes through a surrender. And you'll make many from this day on. They say, Pastor Ron, I wanna make that decision. Well, then let's pray together. All of us pray this prayer together. Pray this prayer of surrender. And if you made this prayer real and authentic in your heart, maybe you're coming back to him. At the end of service, come forward. Testify that God touched your heart. Tell somebody else. That's God speaking through your life. Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life. I'm so grateful for your love, for your forgiveness that you gave, you provided through the death of Jesus. I surrender my life in your hands I receive your forgiveness I receive your hope I receive your strength Holy Spirit breathe in my life in Jesus name Amen let's stand up and worship our God together if you liked this message we want you to share it subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.